from the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School. This is Career Talk on Business Radio. Here is your host, Dr. Don Graham. Let's get it going. Welcome to Career Talk, your career insider. We are here on Business Radio, and we are powered by the Wharton School, Sirius XM, Channel 132. Hey, if it's Thursday, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, we are live right now, taking your calls at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham. I'm the career director for the Wharton MBA program for executives right here in Philadelphia. I'm also a licensed psychologist and former corporate recruiter, and we are in studio with Dion and Dana standing in for Michelle today. Take your calls right this second at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866, and we are wrapping up our six-week Switcher Fest today, which is six weeks of all different types of career changes. And if you have any questions on how to make a switch, maybe you're struggling or maybe you've got tips for people who are in this position, phone lines are open right now at 844-WHARTON-844-942-7866. Your question or comment might help thousands. So give us a call and help us with Switcher Fest today. We welcome back Laura Zaro, guest favorite here on Career Talk. She is the Senior Director of Wharton People Analytics, and she is also the fabulous host of Gracie Award-winning radio show Women at Work on SiriusXM Channel 132, and we're excited to have you back on the show, Laura. Don, thanks so much. It's always exciting to be here. Uh, and this is the perfect topic, because today we're talking about returning to the workplace after an extended absence, and extended absences can happen for a number of reasons. Of course, one of the most popular ones is leaving the workforce to have a family. But there's also many other reasons people oh, yeah. might have left the workforce, maybe voluntarily or involuntarily. Absolutely. You know, some people leave because they need to take care of other people at home, and that's not necessarily the little people. Sometimes mm-hmm. that's a family member. Or sometimes it's to take care of themselves. People mm-hmm. go through illnesses or just periods of time where they've stepped out for one reason or another. Mm-hmm. Or maybe you're in a position where you've been unemployed for a length of time because the market's tough. Maybe your industry is shrinking. We want to hear from you today. If you are in one of these positions or a loved one is, or maybe you've been here and you've got a great tip to share with somebody else that helped you get reintegrated into the workplace, you are on the right channel. You're listening to Career Talk Series XM Channel 132, and our number is 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. We want to hear from you right now. And so, Laura, we're so excited to have you back on the show because you've got a phenomenal show Wednesdays, 4 p.m. Eastern, called Women at Work, and you talk about issues like this a ton. And I think this is one that, that affects, affects many women across the country, but also more so men who are leaving to Absolutely. To take care of children or elders or other situations. So we definitely want to hear from both sides today, 844-942-7866. So let's, let's talk about what are some of the biggest challenges of breaking back into the workforce after an absence? Well, I'd say they fall into different categories. One is just how is our own emotions. And I think in particular for women or I'd say for men, too, who have left the workforce involuntarily. Mm-hmm. There's the anxiety. Will I be embraced? Am I doing this the right way? Um, do I, am, is it okay for me to aim at that job that I'm aiming for? I think self-confidence and the doubts around it are one of the biggest stumbling blocks. And then there's the question of how much time should this take and what's the right process to go through? Mm-hmm. Do you think people wait too long to get started? Yes. I think that fear holds people back. And I also think that in particular, women may not be shooting high enough or expecting the runway that's necessary. Yeah. And there's an interesting stat that I that I always sticks in my head because it, it goes like this, that that women need to feel like they are 100 percent qualified for a job before applying, whereas men usually shoot around 60% or higher. And, <laughs> yes. and I, I love that stat because I, I think about myself and some of my own career choices. And I think that's, wow, that's absolutely true for me. Um, and, and so I, I put that out there because I want people to think, hey, look, 
you need to go for it. Absolutely. And one of the other companion pieces of that is that men will overestimate their abilities and women will underestimate them. Mm -hmm. So in a way, it seems like guys have been okay with the way that they frame themselves reentering the workplace. But in particular for women, um, I think the message that we want to send is that um, you should shoot for it. You don't need to be 100 percent ready. And it's okay if you especially if you've been out of the workforce. Nobody expects you to be 100 percent ready, but you need to be capable of learning and demonstrate Mm -hmm. that you're capable and that Mm -hmm. you're game. Right. Confidence breeds confidence. (laughs) So get out there and be confident. What do you have to lose by being confident? Right. Really nothing. Nothing. (laughs) No. And if what you find out in the process is that I overestimated a little bit, then it's just a gut check. You just Mm -hmm. calibrate a little differently. Better. Yeah. Better to, uh, to estimate in the wrong or the right way than the wrong way. Can I ask you a question about this? Yes. So one of the things that I've tried to even explain to my own staff, we don't hire people because they know how to do everything. We hire because they're capable of learning what needs to be done Mm -hmm. and that we want to see growth over time and that we're looking for capacity, your ability to understand this, your ability to contribute in an impactful way. Mm -hmm. Are we unique or is that common amongst employers? No, you know, it's interesting because we we talk about switchers a lot on this show. And I think, you know, in hiring people, um, Laura, one of the things that I think a lot of people get stuck in, whether you're returning to the workforce or not, is this idea of of applying online and and trying to match and trying to, you know, fit yourself into into these requirements that are out there, whereas employers want great people. I mean, at the end of the day, every hiring manager is saying to themselves, I want somebody who's going to come in, make me look good, make the team look good and and do the work and produce the results. And, it, you know, it doesn't matter that, that you've been out of the workplace. It doesn't matter that you've had different types of experiences. And so when you see these things on job ads talking about 10 years of experience in this or 10 years of experience in that doesn't mean you were good at it. <laughs> right. So, I mean, that's not really what they want. What they want is somebody who's capable. And I think when you believe and understand your strengths and you walk in and you say, hey, I'm capable and don't apologize. This is the thing that that I would say to anybody, whether you're switching, whether you're returning back to the workforce, do not apologize for deficiencies that you have. Do not apologize for being absent from the workplace or stepping away because the fact is it's what you can do. And your brand is never, ever unemployed. Your brand is never between jobs. Your brand is never in transition. You are always the value you bring, whether you're getting paid by a company or not. 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Hey, you're tuning into Switcher Fest here on Career Talk Series XM Channel 132. We're taking your calls right now at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. We have the wonderful Laura Zaro on the show, who is the host of Women at Work Wednesdays at 4 p.m. Eastern right here on Series XM 132. And we're going to go right to the phones with Matthew in Princeton, New Jersey. Welcome to the show, Matthew. Uh, hello, thanks so much for the for the wonderful show and the great conversation. One question I have is I'm thinking about going into a PhD in international relations, so a social sciences PhD, and uh, some of and one thing I uh, and 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 leaving basically leaving a career in law. But one thing I'm thinking about is what is uh, the risk involved because. Uh, going into academia or like there's a lot of competition and there aren't that many jobs. So one thing I'm worried about is what if there isn't that job or that light at the end of the tunnel and what should I be thinking about if I uh, if I end up having to go back into my previous career. Okay, right. So you're going to get a PhD because your ultimate goal, Matthew, is to be a, a faculty member or professor. That's what you're looking to do. Uh, faculty member, a professor, or to work in a policy think tank, uh, okay. uh, anything of that nature where I could do lots of research and writing. Yeah. And and so you're worried that if you can't get a position in that after your PhD, that, that you're going to have challenges going back to your former role. Um, yeah, exactly. Or at least in the in the former field. OK. So, Laura, what advice do you have for Matthew? Well, I think you have to start off, Matthew, with... Um, what it is that's driving you. And if you're deeply, deeply interested in international relations, deeply enough to go get the PhD, um, trust that that 
is going to be a rich process that's going to connect you with a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And that the answer isn't in whether or not you get the PhD. I think the answer is in how do you approach it, how do you approach networking, and how do you approach creating and seeing opportunities for yourself. Um, If you have experience in law and you're credentialed and you go and get additional experience, it's going to make you that much more valuable to the law community because you're bringing in a different depth of expertise and I would imagine a new network of expertise. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing is, how do you approach your research and the relationships you make? Because there may be the classic academic track, and there will be opportunities around the country, if not the world, and then you'll have to weigh out um, what are the pros and cons of how you prepare for those and how you seize those. But the other thing is to look for where there may be other opportunities in industry, in policymaking, in government, um, and in other not-for-profit organizations, and to make sure that you're using your time as a student strategically, but also, and that means as your PhD advisors will tell you to make sure you're publishing, to make sure you're doing the work that you need to do to advance as a scholar. But it will also be about what conferences do you go to? Where do you present? Um, How are you building your own network so that you can find places where you can do meaningful research, whether or not it's within or outside of academe? Mm -hmm. I agree 100%, Laura. And I I, I think, um, you know, as I'm listening to you, the message that I'm pulling away from that, Matthew, is you have to do your market research to find out if if this is truly a means to an end. Because I think a lot of people go back to school thinking that this is the stepping stone to where I want to be, when in fact, it's it's helpful in terms of building your network or in terms of giving you a credential, but it's not ultimately what's going to get you there. It's the network, it's the, the experiences you have. And so question one is do you actually need this PhD to get into the work that you want to do or can you start doing this right now I just I just read a um, a pre-read a great book by Drew Boyd he's talking about how to be a professor and more and more schools for example are looking to hire people from industry to teach because they you know the students are looking for more applied work so maybe this is something that you can start doing as an adjunct or start doing just to see one does it fit with what you expected it to be, or maybe you can start volunteering for opportunities to work in, in social policy to say, again, again does this fit? Because a lot of times what happens when you do that, one of two things, either you're like, wow, this really fits and I'm going to go for it and you're building the relationships and you can maybe go to school while you're actually doing the work. Um, or you might say, you know, this isn't at all what I thought it was, but I can use the experience I have to do something peripheral that kind of fulfills that need. So so I love school. I'm a big fan of it. Getting a PhD is tough, tough work. And I think if you're going to do it, it has to be a part of the journey, not an end means to a result. On that note, I was going to ask Matthew, are you doing this because you think it's going to open doors or because you want to think about this stuff in depth and all the time? Um, in the end, this is um, so, uh, when I talk to people. Some people assume this is going to be a this is a second choice, but in the end, this is kind of me going back to what I've always wanted to do. That I think is critically important because I think when people get a PhD, it's not unlike when people become artists. You're not choosing to do something; it's who you are. You want to think about this. You want to become and be a scholar and dwell in this space. And I think you have to bring that kind of passion to it in order to succeed. And then, as Dawn was saying, really be mindful of where are the applications for it so that you're minimizing your employment risk, recognizing that this is where you want to develop deep expertise. You're going to be driven. um, But to be smart about how you use the opportunities and create opportunities so that you can find work that's going to enable you to take this passion of yours, your growing expertise, and put it to use long term where you can also be compensated. Mm-hmm. Matthew, is that helpful? Oh, that is that is really helpful and makes me think about it in, uh, uh, in, in, in a way I haven't uh, before. I really appreciate your advice. Yeah, thank you for giving us a call on Career Talk. We wish you all the best in your next steps, Matthew. And hey, if you've got a question about switching, maybe going back to school, maybe you've been out of the workplace for a period of time due to unemployment or stepping away to care for family, today's show is all about returning to the workforce after an extended absence. So if you've got a great tip to share or you've got a question, we want to hear from you. 844-WHARTON, 844 942 
7866. We're here with Laura Zaro, the Senior Director of Wharton People Analytics and the host of the Gracie Award-winning show Women at Work on SiriusXM. And we're taking your calls right now, 844-942-7866. So, Laura, we're talking about all different types of people who exit and come back to the workforce. And we were talking about some of the biggest challenges about breaking back in and this confidence. You know, one of the things that um, we started talking about was timing. How much time when somebody's deciding they're they're going to get ready to reintegrate into the workforce, should they give themselves? It's a really good question. I don't know if I have a magic answer, but I think part of it is um, you have to calibrate, you have to temper your own anxiety and expectations. That if you're reentering the workforce because you do not have an income and you need to get an income as soon as possible, that's a very different process than saying I stepped away from my career and I want to reenter, but I'm not in economic crisis. And I think those are different processes and will lead you to different types of work. Um, do you see them as separate? Where do you see them as connected? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, I mean, one of the things I think people need to do is start way before you're ready. So, you know, if you wait till you're ready, sometimes you feel like you're behind or like you said, if you need the income, you start to feel this pressure and you might feel pressured to maybe take something that's not a good fit. And so, you know, one of the things is if you know you're going to step away and you know you eventually want to go back is, is I say that's the time to start. Right. Is, is to start thinking about what can I be doing? And I know it's, it's you know, you're probably ridiculously busy with the reason you stepped away. But the great thing is with social media and, you know, just having connections and, and the ability to talk to people in any setting, whether you're spending a lot of time in a hospital or you're spending a lot of time, you know, doing events at a school, there's always people. Yes. You could be speaking with. And to recognize that those people are starting to form a network for you. Mm-hmm. And so um, and that network can do several things for you. It's not just who's going to get me a job. It's who can I learn from? Who can introduce me to their network? Who can give me feedback on what I'm doing? And so um, being open about your growing ambition, um, to whatever degree you have clarity about it or you're just starting to form it, but use the people in your world as tools to learn from. Mm -hmm. Um, And because people can give you insight into things, and that's not a heavy lift for them. That's not imposing on them. That's not asking them to share a limited or precious resource. And in fact, most people that you're going to interact with are going to be excited to learn about you and see how they can help you. You have to be unafraid, though, or acknowledge your fear, put it aside to say, um, tell me about the work that you do. Tell me about how you got into your career. Open the conversation so that you can learn about them and then see where they can help you learn about yourself and what your next steps can be. Yeah, I love that. Just pure curiosity is is one. And then, you you know, you talk about this fear. I'll tell you, I'm pretty much scared of everything I do every day, Laura. <laughs> People are like, oh, my God, you do, I don't know. Maybe it's just like, you know. It's not just you, Don. <laughs> yeah, I'm terrified. I, I'm terrified. You Do it anyway. Do it anyway. Right. In fact, one of the best pieces of advice I've gotten from um, my supervisor is to consider how much time I'm wasting being afraid versus just doing it. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Fantastic. Give yourself 10 seconds to be afraid and then just do exactly. it. Exactly. Like, I'm a big believer in honor the fear, but don't waste time on it. Mm-hmm. Because what's the alternative? Do nothing, get nothing. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But but from it's that question of how you mobilize, it's huge. So part of it is mobilizing in your own head, embracing that it's time to go down that path and that you're about to embark on changing your life. And that can be super exciting. It can be super scary. I've seen people go in both directions. Some who the minute that they decide, okay, I'm going back to work, they're ready to go and sign a lease and get an office and make it happen. That might be a little premature. You know, if you don't have resources and you don't have an income yet, or it could be just the thing. But you have to weigh out, you know, for a moment. Am I serious about this? And then go embark on it. Mm-hmm. Here's one of the pieces that totally changed my life. I love these like tidbits. So, you know, somebody explained to me as I was getting, um, you know, I was going for my psychology degree that the, the feeling you have with anxiety and excitement are the exact same Mm -hmm. systems in your body. It's just that when it gets to your brain, you get to interpret, am I excited about this or am I terrified of this? And that totally changed my life because 
Now, when I'm feeling anxious, I could say, well, maybe I'm just really excited. My brain hasn't <laughs> caught up, which which tends to happen a lot. 844-942-7866. You're listening to Career Talk Series XM Channel 132. We're here with the fabulous Laura Zaro, who is host of Women at Work, also on Sirius XM 132. We're going to go back to the phones with Antoine in New Jersey. Welcome to the show, Antoine. What's on your mind today? Hi. Um, I became disabled at two years ago. I had uh, surgery done on my foot and my knee, and uh, I, I need another knee on the other side. But I'm not dead, and I'd like to... I was in the medical field. I worked in dialysis, and I'm looking to do... to keep going in, in some type of job or work or whatever. I have a degree. It's old. It's um, a BA, and... Um, what can, what can you advise me? Yeah, so um, so Antoine, tell me, you, where have you been looking for work and how have you been looking for work? I haven't been looking for work, per se, because you're not disabled. But it doesn't mean I can't work. I like the medical field. I like, because um, I, I, I was in dialysis for 19 years. And uh, I'd like to know the way to go. And are you able to travel to an office, or do you need to work from home? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm not in a wheelchair. Okay. Okay, so perfect. So you're you're formulating what we call your plan A. So you're you're shaping it to an industry location. I'm assuming you're not looking to relocate. You like the medical field. And, you know, you mentioned you had a BA, but it's old. So here's here's the deal. Most people don't even go into work that's related to their bachelor's degree. So, um, you know, great. You, you've checked that box. That's awesome. Um, what what skills do you bring to the table? What is your strength, Antoine? If you were if you were, if I was going to hire you and I said, what value do you bring to me? What is that? Uh, the ability to work. <laughs> and and um, I'm going to dig in. Be more specific. Um, I have a love for the medical field. I have a love for taking care of patients. Um, so you have an empathy too. I mean, you you've you've um, you have been on the patient side of things. So I mean, I'm looking at that as I, I don't know you, but that's that has got to be a strength you bring to the table. You both yeah. enjoy the medical field, you like working with patients, and you have the the extra experience of being on the other side to to understand that experience. And so I am thinking about a number of things that you can. I mean, there's so many jobs you can do online nowadays, or at home, or in the office. I mean. You know, around medical coding, around you know programming. I don't know if technology is your thing, but if you're looking to work with people, um, you know, there's a number of ways you can do that, even even over the phone or in the office. So I'm I'm kind of brainstorming around that aspect because you have such a unique um, perspective on that side of it. So so the question is, how do you get in touch with these areas that can use your skills? Yes, and I think another um, set of resources that you might want to consider is where um, there may be retraining programs or that a social worker could help connect you to because you may be eligible for some retraining opportunities um, that may also help close the skills gap if any of them are technology related. But I think part of what Dawn was asking you is super critical is how can you tell your story in terms of what she was saying before, what you're capable of? Are you methodical? Are you patient? Are you a good problem solver? Are you comfortable with chemistry? These are all assets that you can make visible in an application process and also think about what are other things that you can do that maybe aren't patient-related in the medical field but may be perfectly um, well-suited opportunities for you where you can also grow and develop and get onto a different career trajectory. Yeah, I'm thinking thinking a lot of social service agencies. I'm thinking nonprofits. I'm thinking that there's a lot of spaces that can use somebody who can understand their client base um, as well as as has the passion that you have to to walk in and um, make a difference, and that like you said, Laura, patience. I mean, these are things that, that let's just face it, not all of us have, um, <laughs> <laughs> right? And then the other thing not to overlook is if um, you're not in financial crisis, um, is can you start interning? Can mm-hmm. you do some volunteer work as a way of connecting with organizations in your region and seeing where you can build some relationships, see what the work opportunities are, and demonstrate to them where you can bring value to the table? And I think in addition to that, Antoine, um, the volunteer opportunities and helping out will enable you to really solidify what you're good at. Because it sounds like right now, because you've been out of work, you you may um, 
you're struggling with that answer a little bit. And I think when you start to volunteer and you start to get in the workplace, you start to say, wow, I'm really good at this and this. I love this. This is energizing to me. And then you say, well, this is not something that I like to do or, you know, nor am I good at. So I'm going to put that aside. And then you can start building that story because I think that's your your, your two-step thing. One, what are you, what is the value you bring to the table? What is that brand? And then two, networking, figuring out those locations. And so make yourself a list of 20 places that are local to you, that are interesting to work. And when you have those two things, then you can start that targeted plan because you definitely have something valuable to offer. So your goal is to narrow down what that is and then to find that audience who is going to bring you in to use that gift. Antoine, good luck to you. Thank you so much for giving us a call on Career Talk. Hey, we are here all hour. If it's noon Eastern time, 9 a.m. Pacific, 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. And we're going to go to Sherry in California. Sherry, welcome to the show. It's on your mind today. Thanks so much. I enjoy both of your your shows, both of you. Fabulous. So, Thanks. Great. Yeah. I'm wondering about when people re-enter or people that have already re-entered and somehow have pulled off a, um, a condensed work week or an abbreviated work week, when they are seeking to continue and go with the same type of uh, setup, uh, what's the best approach for people that are looking for job share for four days, like how would you go about applying for what is posted as a full-time when you're not really on, when they're advertising them on a platform that's um, not that set up, that Ooh, yeah, that premise. Yeah, interesting. So you're looking at full time jobs, and you're you're wanting to propose that they do the job four days a week or in some kind of uh, alternate schedule. Is that am I clarifying that correctly, Sherry? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So I mean, my first thought is that applying online is going to be is going to be tough because um, you know you're you're basically looking for somebody to to trust you to reformulate how the structure of the job is, and I think one of the things that's going to help you in that conversation is coming in through a trusted referral because I think if I'm a hiring manager and I've got applications and someone came in and asked me to restructure the job and I didn't know you, you know, chances are I'm not even going to entertain that. And I'm going to say, why did you even apply to this job? You know, different scenario. Laura says, you know what? You have to talk to to my my friend Sherry. She's a hard worker. She's got, you know, great performance in every job that she's done and she is stellar. I think she'd be a great match for this this organization. Now I might pay attention to you a little bit more because you've got this glowing referral from somebody that I trust and if um, you know you have the quali- qualifications for the job, I might be willing to structure that. I think the other thing you need to do is consider the environment because there are some opportunities that just aren't going to be a good fit for you know either four ten hour days or however you want to structure that. So I think you know to not waste your time and not waste an employer's time. I think you have to look at cultures that are going to be more open to that flexibility because more and more companies are open to telecommuting, virtual workplaces, you know, all of these types of things. And, you know, we just know that certain cultures are not. And so I think that's another step you want to take. The other thing that um, I would ask, Sherry, is as you're looking at this, is it a non-negotiable for you to um, be able that there's no compromise? Or could you go into an environment and build into a more flexible schedule? Like start at what is advertised as and then uh, shrink back or change it. Yeah, yeah, no, I've thought about that as the other approach. Okay, so let me give you some reasons why I'm suggesting that because I think um, reinforcing what Dawn said, um, having earned trust and respect is a kind of precondition for being able to customize things at work. Um, I've also had the experience of going through the application process and Factoring this into your negotiations. Um, One of the things that I think a lot of women don't focus on, it's twofold. One is that um, as you are being offered a job, there is the expectation that you will be negotiating for things. And the other part of it is salary is only one of many things that you can negotiate for. 
And so if you actually are at the point where you're negotiating for a position, the the kind of irony and the opportunity here is many people on the other side are going to be expecting you to ask for more money. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that you can factor into the negotiation is what are your work hours? What's the schedule? When are you telecommuting? What's the tolerance for that? How do they enable that? Um, I know that for the last two positions that I've taken, um, at the point that I was negotiating, not before, they had made me an offer. I said, look, I'm a single mom. And I want to be there for the clarinet recital. And I'm the one who's on call when she's sick. Um, How can we work that out? And um, in both cases, because we had gotten to that point and there was a certain kind of mutual respect there, um, I approached it cautiously. I didn't ask for the sun and the moon and the stars and also tried to make sure that I had proved myself um, before I started to take advantage of those opportunities. And so that um, they knew it was building on um, a strong collaboration and not weakening it. Bam. And that's why we have Laura Zaro on the show, because you're awesome. Um, <laughs> Sherry, is that something that's that's possible? Yeah, those are great tips, ladies. Um, thanks for being there. Absolutely. Oh, you're welcome and good luck. Yeah, we wish you all, all the right. best, Sherry. Thank you so much for giving us a call on Career Talk. Hey, this is the last week of Switcher Fest, a six-week journey into all different types of switches. And if you've missed previous episodes, we've done military to civilian transitions. Thank you to all of our military members, their families and supporters. And we've also done incarceration to employment and many, many other types of switches. Today we are doing the returning to the workplace after an absence. So if that is you, someone you love, or you have a great tip, Maybe you're hiring individuals in this position, and you can give a tip as to how they can do a better job in the interview. We want to hear from you, 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. But right now, we need to go to our pre-break quiz. Quiz. There's a quiz? An average American will spend about six months in total during their lifetime doing this in their car. An average American will spend about six months total during their lifetime doing this in their car. If you think you know, give us a call on Career Talk 844-WHARTON-844-942-7866. You're listening to Sirius XM Channel 132. We'll be right back. You're listening to Career Talk. On Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Here again is Dr. Don Brand. Welcome back to Career Talk, your career insider. We are on Business Radio and we are powered by the Wharton School, Sirius XM, Channel 132. Hey, you're Listening Thursday noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, we are live and taking your calls right now, 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Hey, maybe you are hiring people and you have some great tips to share with people who are returning to the workforce after an absence, maybe how to present their resume, how to present themselves, something that would would nail the interview or, or, or make you hire them. We want to hear from you. Or maybe you are a person in transition and you've got a tip we're taking your calls all hour at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham, and we are here with the fabulous Laura Zaro, who is the host of Women at Work, Wednesdays, 4 p.m. Eastern Time. And Laura, how can people reach you if they'd like more information? Well, if they'd like more information on Women at Work, I said, find me on LinkedIn. I love getting messages there. I love hearing from you. I want to know what your questions are, what you're doing. So it's a great way to reach out, and you can find me. It's just me mm-hmm. under Laura Zaro. Perfect. And hey, as a thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in to Switcher Fest, this is the last week of our special promotion to get the audio version of Switchers, How Smart Professionals Change Careers and See Success. If you go to downpour.com, that's D-O-W-N-P-O-U-R.com and hit buy now with the special redemption code of DP Switchers, you will get half off that audiobook. And if you love the podcast of Career Talk, you will love the audiobook of Switchers. Hey, Thursday noon Eastern, we're taking your calls right now, 844 844- 942-7866. And if you happen to miss the pre-break quiz before we went to break, here it is. An average American will spend about six months in total during their lifetimes doing this in their cars. If you think you know, you still have a chance to get on the phone. 844-WHARTON-844-942-7866. 
942-7866. So we are talking, Laura, all about returning to the workplace. And, you know, as people are returning, you know, that is a common question about how do I present my resume? How do I present, you know, should I talk about this in a cover letter? Should I make up a, you know, consulting business just to make it look like I wasn't at a workplace? What are, what are some of your thoughts on that? I think um, never, I, don't make anything up. I think being honest is one of the first tests of any employee. And I've seen people lose opportunities because they um, got too creative on their resume and actually stepped over the line really promptly into falsifying it. Mm -hmm. So I don't think faking that you've been in the workplace is the way to go. I think what's more important is to be able to articulate how you've stayed engaged, kept your skills alive, what you've done that's meaningful. Um, volunteer work is a tremendous resource in this regard um, because if you've actually run fundraising events, um, planned events at your kid's school, um, done things in your community, those are putting professional level skills to work. Articulate them, but don't pretend you have a business when you don't. And what, I mean, should you address this in the cover letter? Should mm -hmm. you address, like, this is where well, I've been the last yeah, two, think five, about it. ten if, years? If, put yourself in the shoes of the employer. And if you're looking at somebody's resume and there's a gap, you're going to wonder why. And is the gap because um, you've been unemployable or is it because something happened or you chose to step out of the workplace? And what you're trying to communicate is that whether you lost a job or whether you left a job, for whatever reason, that you are employable, that you want to be back in the workforce, and that you know how to talk about what happened to you. I'm thinking about um, something I learned from Elena Botello, who works with GH Smart, and the amazing book, The CEO Next Door. And one of the things that she talked about is every single really good CEO has failed at stuff. Mm -hmm. And the point isn't that they – it's not that you don't fail. Everybody fails. It's how do you own it, how do you talk about it, um, and how do you express what you've learned from it. Mm -hmm. Own it. I like that. I mean, just own it. This mm -hmm. is life. Life is complicated. Life is messy. I mean, I've been laid off twice in my life. I mean, we've, we've all got some type of what I call red flag. And here's what I'm going to tell you. The hiring game is about elimination, not selection. And as a hiring person, I am looking for that red mm -hmm. flag. Everybody's got one. It's it's very rare. And if you don't have one, that's your red flag. I can't find your red flag. <laughs> and so, you know, and this is one of the reasons I say sh to, to steer away from online applications, because this is the elimination process. Whereas when you get referred, now it's a different conversation. Yes. Because now I'm looking, you know, I'm not looking for the red flags. You've been been. Um, recommended to me by somebody that I trust or I know. And so now I'm looking about how you fit in the job. It's a totally different mindset. But here's the thing. We all have a red flag. And what I would say, don't get defensive about it. Don't apologize for it. Own it. Here it is. And then go into really turn the corner quickly and go into here's what I offer you. Here's what I'm hungry for. Yes. Yeah. So if you can say, you know, in my former role, I did X, Y, and Z. Since I left there, I've been developing skills in the following way. And I'm really excited to bring these assets to help you advance your goals. Mm -hmm. And I don't think you have to overcompensate. I mean, I don't I don't think you have to like put on that. I'm, you know, I've kept up with technology and all this stuff. I don't I think you have to do that because sometimes when you do that, it actually steers people to be. <laughs> That's a really good point. But if you've done something substantial and meaningful, in your time off that has either exposed you to a new network, built a new school skill, are those good things to cite? Yes. And here's the thing. Remember on LinkedIn or your resume, this is your career story. This is your career story. You get to include what you want. You get to exclude what you want. And experience is experience, whether you get paid for it or not. And, you know, don't underestimate what you do. If you're, if you're at your, your child's school once a week, you know, that is... That is volunteer. That is experience. If you're you're out there coaching a soccer team, I mean, whatever it is you're doing, sometimes we underestimate the fact that, oh, I just do that. Everybody does that. No, everybody does not do right. that. Hey, everybody's not that generous. Everybody's not that organized. And everybody's not that capable of being effective in those roles. And you're demonstrating that you have capacities to deal with people in different ways that absolutely parlay into work life. Mm -hmm. And I would say don't ignore social media because here's the thing. That's something you could do at three in the morning, <laughs> <laughs> on a Tuesday. And I, I, you know, I know a lot of people shy away from it and, you know, don't know how to use it. But this is a way to continue to maintain or build your brand when you step away voluntarily or involuntary from the workforce. 
Absolutely. 844-942-7866. Hey, do you need to step away from the workforce? And maybe you have stepped away and you're listening to the show and you're saying, well, crap, I haven't done any of that and I'm ready to go back to work. So what now? We want to hear from you. We would love to hear from you at 844-942-7866. We're on Career Talk Sirius XM channel 132 with Laura Zaro, who is the host of Women at Work Wednesdays at 4 p.m. Eastern. But right now, we are going to answer our pre-break quiz. So the quiz was this. An average American will spend about six months in total during their lifetime doing this in their cars. I'm Rigo Dion, who thinks that I've actually done this pre-break quiz before, which I may have. I think you did do it before, but I still have the same answer, which I don't think is right. Okay. I'm going to say grooming. That was your answer. Oh, boy. I remember. (laughs) It's still wrong, isn't it? It's still wrong. (laughs) Yeah, maybe I did ask this. I don't know. If you're listening you've heard this question before. I, have I run out of pre-break quiz questions? You couldn't have run out of no, pre-break I, quiz questions. No, I haven't. As a matter of fact, I've, I'm starting, Dion, to create a reject list. Here's my reject pre-break <laughs> quiz break question from this week. I'll probably know the answer to this one. Well, no, I, I don't even know how to put it into a question. It's like 75% of American pet owners sign their pets' names before sending out a greeting card. That that That's just... It's- that's a fact. That's not a question. No, I know it's not a question. I couldn't even figure out how to put it into a question. Like, I, I just thought it was interesting, but I, um, yeah. That's uncomfortable. Yeah, I, I, it is. I I do have a cat. I do not sign her name. And I was going to ask you. I do not, and I do not dress her up for Halloween as much as I love Halloween. Please, people, do not torture your they, pets. They really don't like it. I know. <laughs> okay, so, all right. Back to the pre-break quiz question at hand. (laughs) It is not grooming, but that is a good answer. Dana. I would say talk on the phone because every time I go in the car, I make a phone call and that's my answer. (laughs) I'm going to bet you've already done six months. Probably. (laughs) (laughs) That is my time to catch up. That is, you know, when I make my calls. You've done six months this year. (laughs) (laughs) So you nailed that. So, no, good guess. Laura, we're coming to you. Uh, I'm... I'm going to say sleep. In their car? Yes. <laughs> well, waiting and, for the kids at soccer practice. And, pulling busy. over on the side and, of the road. And fair. Okay, fair. This is why I, I am so terrible at these pre-break quizzes. I did not say while driving. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of important. And it, that is part of the question. So Laura gets to change her answer because I certainly hope that is not but true. But it's while driving. While driving. <laughs> I'm going to say play with the radio. So... No, they should just be tuned. You know what? I think I know the answer. Wait, what? It's eat. No, I think oh. that was your other answer <laughs> last time now that you say that. But um, they shouldn't be playing with the radio. They should be tuned in to Sirius XM 132. What else do you need? Like, you don't need to play with the radio. <laughs> it's actually waiting at red lights. So, oh, wow. Does that sound I don't familiar? don't remember that answer. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's the same question. I just changed the answer. I don't there know. Yeah, but I have had a friend of mine say to me that he feels like he's wasted years of his life sitting in traffic. Well, now you can tell him it's only six months, actually. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and that's not so bad. Spin it in the positive. Hey, hey, 844-942-7866. You're listening to Switcher Fest here on Career Talk Series XM 132. We're going to go to Lisa in Chicago. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind today, Lisa? Hi, thank you. I'm glad to be here. I um, have spent uh, three years focused on growing a startup. I, I launched it, and um, it was got sales, but not enough sales to pay my mortgage. So I've got to make a switch. I've got to get a job. And so I guess I'm looking for some advice, some ideas. I just had an interview the other day, and I don't think it went so well. Um you know, coming off of running your own business and having some successes, but not what you believe is enough to really want to talk about and to try and um, massage that to be uh, something that an employer would value is, I guess, my challenge. Yeah. I, so I um, this is a fantastic question, Lisa. And a lot of people um, I know out there, you're you're going to help with this question because they're thinking the same thing. Can you can you share with us a little bit about you said you didn't think the interview went well. Tell us why. Uh, he said, well, you're very entrepreneurial. You've done a lot of things. And it was kind of with this tone of, so I don't know what to do with you, kind of. Hmm. 
And so I, I, I pulled back and I said, well, you know, the common threads are that I've always sought out innovation and that I've always built a network in many cases from scratch. And my most recent experience has given me the ability to do a lot of different things. And, you know, I've been in charge of, of contract negotiation, building a network of frontline sales, product marketing, identifying software, you know, all of these things. But it's almost like it was perceived as um, master of nothing. Yeah. And so here's the thing. You bring so much to the table. What I'm hearing from this experience is that, is that, like you said, the common thread. You need to strengthen that common thread. You've probably done so many things. And, you know, this happens with all types of switchers who they, they bring forth, you know, maybe impressive information, but it's not relevant to their audience. Or maybe it's mm-hmm. all of the impressive things they've done. So you're relying on your audience to take that and decide where to go. You're leaving them with the work when you leave the interview. So this is the important thing do the work for them where do you fit where is your strength what are you strongest at if you had to answer that question right now lisa how would you answer it building awareness sales that's my love working with people cultivating relationships creating new relationships finding that um the the decision maker and uh you know a range of uh externally internally lisa these relationships These are actually really important skills. And I also want to reinforce something that Dawn was talking about. It's about you have to help the employer see the matchmaking here. One of the things that I find when I'm considering candidates is did they figure out who our organization is, what we're looking for in this role, and did they help me see how they are a fit for that role. As somebody who ran a startup for three years, like you listed it, you have an amazing set of skills. Um, I also think one of the things you could do is practice how you articulate what those skills are, but match them up against the role that you're interviewing for so you're talking about the right match. If you were going into a full-time position as, say, a fundraiser for a not-for-profit. Your networking abilities are super important. But if you're going into something where sales and meeting a bottom line and and sale targets matters, then your experience and skills in that are a great fit, but you have to make it visible. Bring it up to the, the, the top of the heap so that the person can see how you fit in and how you are a match. And then I think the other thing that might also come up in this is how do you present the reason why you're changing and that you you need to kind of get across the idea that you're totally comfortable with the idea. You've left behind the need to have your own business and you want to take what you learned and what you're capable of and parlay it to bigger success in an established organization. Yeah, let's let's do this, Laura. Let's ask Lisa. We're putting you on the spot. We love to do mock air mock. I can't say that mock on air interviews. That's what I'm trying to say. Why are you looking for a job, Lisa? Uh, okay, so yeah, this is where I have to have my, I have to shift my mindset, right? Um, I, I still want my startup. I just can't right now. So okay, that, that hopefully that's not the answer you're using. <laughs> right, I really right, don't want your stupid so job, but I, yeah. No. <laughs> right. Um, I, yeah, I, I want to be able to add value to an organization that's established, that um, I can really make an impact and grow. And so that's a good start. What I would say is you want to take it to the next level. And obviously, we're not talking about a specific company, but you want to have something to add to that. This is the reason I'm specifically interested in doing that with your company is and find something that's a match either for for an industry you've worked in or a population you've worked in. Um, Because here's the thing. You're talking about sales and you're talking about building networks and relationships. This is the job search process. The product now is you, Lisa. And I know it's difficult to talk about yourself in the same way you talk about a products who try and kind of have this out-of-body experience that you're talking about. You know, pretend you're talking about a friend. If you were promoting, if you were a friend promoting yourself, what would you say, Lisa? Um, that I have the ability to um, engage others and, and really understand what their challenges are. People share a lot of things with me. I guess I'm, now I'm, I'm first person here. I guess this is truly out of body, right? (laughs) Um, Yeah, people share a lot of things with me. I have the ability to conceptualize very quickly so I can work, meet with someone and understand their business um, really, really quickly. Um, That's 
one thing that I think for many years I thought was really easy for everyone. Um, but I've learned recently that's not so easy for everyone. It is not. So- and here, I'm going to give you a homework assignment, actually. And this is going to take some courage. But as, as Laura's and I, and I talked about, like, we, we, we're afraid of everything. So if you're afraid, <laughs> that's good. Face your fear. Run towards your fear. It never leads you astray. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do is to, to email I'm going to say 10 people. If, you, if you're if you brave enough to do more, do it. But from all different areas of your life, maybe family, maybe former coworkers, maybe customers from your startup, and say, I, you know, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to do this like mini 360. I'm going to ask you to, to tell me three strengths and three areas of value that I add. And then I want you to tell me one thing I can improve. And I will guarantee you that when people get back to you, there are going to be some things that you are shocked to see because you're so good at them that you don't even see them as a strength or because they didn't maybe turn out the way you were hoping when you started this business that you're looking at it as a failure, whereas they're looking at it as like the most amazing thing ever. And so I think when you get that outside validation, it is going to one, build your confidence, but two, give you the language that right now you're, you're struggling to find Definitely. because it is yeah. there. There is no doubt in my mind that anybody who has done a startup has so many valuable skills to bring to the marketplace. And so I think it's just about getting that external information that's going to be so helpful. And also, I think another thing to be sensitive to is that as a founder, um, you know, we're used to that term, founder, CEO, we aspire towards it. That's what we hope for with a startup. And that you can understand where an employer might be anxious that what do you do with that ambition and that you're coming into the organization, but that you'll be frustrated if you're not in a leadership role. Mm-hmm. So one of the mm-hmm. things to help to make sure that you communicate is and, and you got to find it in yourself and have it be sincere, because if it's not, they'll feel it and you'll also be unhappy in the role. But that your ability to listen as you said, you can, that's a marketing skill. How do you understand audience need? Then bringing it into the innovation process of how you develop solutions for that need to maximize the organization's ability to make an impact, to achieve its goals, to be successful, to create new markets. So expressing that you're ready to be someone who rose for the team and not the leader of the team may also help remove one of those barriers that will be based on what they perceive to be your priorities when they look at you on paper. Fabulous. Hey, I'm on Team Lisa, so I am like, (laughs) go go out there and um, make it happen. I'm excited for you, Lisa. I think there's great things in your future, and I'm excited for the employer who hires you. They're going to be very, very lucky. Thank you so much for giving us a call on Career Talk. Hey, 844-942-7866. You are listening to our final week of our six-week Switcher Fest, and if you've missed any of the exciting episodes, you can catch them on Google Play or iTunes, Dr. Dawn on Careers. And so just a couple of interesting tidbits as we wrap up. There's so many resources out there if you're you're, you're, um, looking to return to work, um, Moms Can Code, The Mom Project, I Relaunch, Path Forward. And all of these are are not just for moms returning to work, but there's nearly 2 million stay-at-home dads, a number that doubled. So don't, don't, uh, don't be turned off by the word mom. This is for dads too. And something else, we know that 23% of Americans have taken a leave from work to care for a family member with a serious health condition. One of the things you may not know is that unemployment claims can benefit you. There's there's about half the states where you can go and you can get that type of insurance. And a lot of companies are expanding FMLA and all these things. So make sure you understand your benefits if you find yourself in this position. But as we wrap up, Laura, I can't thank you enough. I love having you on the show. One last time, where can people reach you? Oh, if people want to find me, check me out on LinkedIn. And also, we love to hear from you on Women at Work. So mm-hmm. we're live on Wednesdays, Eastern time, uh, four o'clock. Great show, and you will not leave that show without getting some really fantastic advice. Laura. Don, thanks. This has been great. It's always so fun to have you. And Dion and Dana, um, who reminded me that the last pre-break quiz was something about changing clothes in your car. Now I remember. <laughs> <laughs> so still wrong, but... Now I do remember it was a I mean, different question. It was kind of close. It was kind of close. Yeah, grooming, changing clothes. Um, but that was not while driving. That was the difference in that question. So anyway, you've been listening to our six-week Switcher Fest series on Career Talk Series XM Channel 132. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham. Dan and Dana, thank you so much for making this show run so smoothly and be so fun. And of course, to all of our listeners and callers and of course, our switchers, we love having you here every Thursday and we will see you next time. 